podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in the uh, book of Malachi here this morning. Malachi chapter number one. And if you're just joining with us, uh, we are doing some teaching through the book of Malachi. And um, basically, the, a lot of the same things that uh, Malachi uh, spoke to the nation of Israel uh, about are a lot of the same things that the church today uh, faces in uh, our generation. And uh, last week, we talked about God's love and how the people... Uh, in Malachi's day, were despising God's love, and yet God was faithfully reminding them uh, of his love. And this morning, we're going to look at another uh, aspect of uh, something that uh, was very heavy on Malachi's heart as he came to speak to the people. And if you can remember, uh, the Bible here says that the word came to Malachi, and it says that he had this burden, the oracle of the word, this burden that Malachi had was very heavy to bear uh, to speak to uh, God's people. And so we're going to be looking here uh, primarily Malachi chapter 1 and uh, verses uh, 6 through 14. So let's uh, read this text here. Uh, Malachi uh, 1, verses 6 through 14. Scripture says here, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest who despise my name, but you say, How have we despised your name? He says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire, On my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. 
You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. When I was in high school, I worked at a place called the Al Cafe, which uh, was basically a, like a 50s throwback diner. And uh, I worked there as a, uh, a busboy, and I ran the soda fountain as well. And uh, as I worked there, I worked there for uh, several years throughout high school, and then uh, one year when I was going to culinary school as well. And as I worked there, I got to know a lot of the regulars that would come in. And there was this one couple that came in quite often. I got to know them pretty well. And uh, they were pretty heavily influenced and uh, involved in politics. And one evening, I was talking with them, and they said, hey, what are you doing this Friday night or Saturday night? I couldn't remember. And uh, I said, well, nothing really. They said, well, uh, we'd like for you to come with us to the governor's dinner. And they said, it's a fundraiser event. Uh, it's going to be at the uh, Albuquerque uh, Civic Center there. And they said, we'd love for you to come. Uh, they said, now, uh, we got a ticket for you. You can come. We think it'd be a great experience for you. I said, boy, that sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds great. Sure, I'd like to go to the governor's dinner, I guess. So um, after I agreed to go, the, the husband, he pulled me off to the side, and he said, now listen, he said, now this is a, this is a big-time event. He says it's, there's a lot of uh, fundraising stuff that's going to be going on there. And he said, so it's a, an event you have to dress up for. And he said, uh, you know, you're going to have to wear like a coat and tie. Now, I didn't own a coat and tie. I didn't have any dress clothes. And uh, so I got the appropriate uh, clothing to wear so I could go to this event. Now, just to let you know, the ticket price to attend this was $1,000. It was a $1,000 plate uh, in order to go. And needless to say, they covered the cost of that because they were uh, involved in this. But they just thought it would be a great experience for me. Now, so as I went there, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, a lot of people, the guys were, were dressed up, you know, they were wearing tuxedos, they were dressed to the nines, uh, the servers there, they themselves were dressed up, the ladies, they were wearing uh, beautiful ball gowns and all this kind of stuff, I mean, there was a lot of big wigs there, right? Uh, and here I am, you know, a high school student, uh, whatever, I'm enjoying myself, and I thought it was a really neat experience. Now, you think about that. Um, Everything that was being done there that evening, uh, it was supposed to reflect the position of the governor. It was supposed to reflect his office. It was supposed to reflect, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, what he does. And could you imagine, instead of show me showing up in a coat and tie, if I showed up in jeans, a t-shirt, and flip-flops? Uh, needless to say, I would not be allowed to go in. Um, and not only that, it would be a disrespect to the governor uh, and his dinner. It's interesting that when we think about respect, that, you know, oftentimes we, we do certain things because uh, we want to respect a certain individual. And, you know, at that dinner, the governor's dinner, uh, there were certain things that had to be done in order to show respect to the governor. Well, 
Our Lord is more important than the governor is. And he demands and deserves more respect than the governor does. He is a great king. And nobody would ever disrespect God, would they? Yes, they would. That's exactly what Malachi is telling us here this morning. Malachi tells us that in response to God's great love that he told them about in the previous verses, um, the people really show disrespect and ingratitude towards God through polluted sacrifices. The priests were accepting animals for worship that were blemished. They reasoned that we should really keep the better animals for ourselves because, I mean, really nobody wants these blemished animals and why we could maybe use them instead and we should keep the best ones for ourselves. And uh, these animals uh, that they were sacrificing were blind, they were sick, they were lame, they were blemished. And they thought it would be cheaper and more useful to offer up the animals that nobody else wanted. They were trying, in a way, to make worship more convenient and affordable for the worshipers. But God said, you are dishonoring me. God uses Malachi here to confront his people and tell them about the profane worship that they were offering up to God. He says, you are despising my name. But the priest didn't get it. So the Lord really explains it to them here in our text here this morning. You know, we live in a day of convenience Christianity. Worship to God is really an event rather than a lifestyle. We've become fantastical hypocrites in feigning sincere worship before the Lord. Today, the church is not looked at as the pillar in the ground of truth, but rather it's marketed like a restaurant or a store in an attempt to attract more customers. I got a text a couple weeks ago from a church guru, church growth guru guy, and uh, he wanted to find out if I needed help in growing the church. And I asked him, I said, well, what kind of growth are we talking about? Spiritual growth? He said, well, no, it's geared more towards numerical growth. Well, let me tell you something. You know, the church, it's important to remember that the church's job is to unashamedly preach the gospel of Christ. Um, we are not here to entertain the goats. We are to here to feed the sheep and to do the work of the ministry and to train you to do the work of the ministry. And it is the Lord who adds to his church. If Malachi was writing to the church today, he would say the same thing that he tells his people in verse number 10. If I could just try to paraphrase this a little bit, he would basically say, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not uselessly meet in my name. I am not pleased with you. It would be better to close the doors of the church than to dishonor God when we meet. At the center of Jewish worship was this offering of sacrifices. The reason people needed to offer these sacrifices was because they were sinners. And the sacrifice was to represent a way for them to come in connection with God. And so that sacrifice was supposed to be without blemish. It was supposed to be pure. It was supposed to be holy. 
It was supposed to be a perfect sacrifice. And it was supposed to be a great picture of how Jesus is our sacrifice. He is pure. He is holy. He is without blemish. And so to offer blemish sacrifices, really, they were pulling down the holiness of God by saying, in effect, God isn't perfectly holy. We don't need to offer a perfect substitute for our sins. And it lifted up sinners by saying, we're really not all that bad of people. A slightly blemished sacrifice is good enough for us to come before God. The people had lost respect for God. And it showed really in how they worshipped God. They had lost respect for God because they lost their hope in God. God was not the one whom they loved and took pleasure in. It's the same way for us. We believe that God is okay with worship that is outward and insincere because we don't love God and take pleasure in him. Instead of a heart of passion for God, we offer up half-hearted worship. We have bought into the idea that God is okay with half-hearted, apathetic worship. They needed and we need a message of hope. So this is what I want you to take away with you this morning. We show our respect to God in how we worship him. We show our respect to God in how we worship him. So let me give you a couple things here. Number one, if we are going to respect God, if we're going to learn how to respect God, then we need to restore our respect for God by knowing who he is. And if we're going to worship the Lord with a heart of passion, and we are going to have, we are going to, have to know who we are worshiping. Now you might be thinking, well, come on, Mike. I, I know who God is. I mean, come on, right? I mean, he's God. We know that. I mean, this is elementary stuff. Well, isn't it interesting that God has to continually remind us time and time and time and time again of who he is? Why is that? Because we forget. We forget who God is. We forget what he has done. We forget about his promises. We forget about his love. We forget about that he deserves respect. So here's God's chosen people, and yet they forgot who they were worshiping. Do we think that we are any better than they are? The truth is, we all fall into patterns and habits of outward and insincere worship. This is why God has to constantly remind us of who he is, because we forget. Well, who is he? He is God, of course, but I want you to notice how God tells Malachi what to tell his people specifically about who he is. He uses a certain name here in Scripture to reveal who he is. The name that he uses is the Lord of Hosts. And this name, Lord of Hosts, really means that he is the self-existent warrior. It's made up of two, two Hebrew names. And it means self-existent warrior, the first and the greatest. And it's actually used, God uses this name, Lord of Hosts, 24 times throughout the book of Malachi. In fact, just in this passage alone that we're looking at in verses 6 through 14, he uses it a total of seven times. 
And so he's trying to get to us to say, you need to know who I am, why I deserve worship, why I deserve respect is because of who I am. I am the Lord of hosts, the self-existent warrior. All throughout the Old Testament, God reveals his character through different names uh, in Scripture. For example, some of the names we find, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Adonai, which means master. Avenu, which means our father. And there are many more names that God uses to describe himself and his character. Now, these names create pictures of our relationship with God. And when he calls himself the Lord of hosts, he's trying to help us understand something about who he is. And he's helping us to try to understand how we are to relate to him and how that should be reflected in how we worship him. So what do we learn about God who is the self-existent warrior? Here's a couple things. One, God has absolute power. No one can conquer God. Nobody. God is self-existent. No one can defeat him or stand against him. There is no competition. He does not merely have the most power. There is no power in the universe that exists without his permission. He is the all-powerful one. Secondly, God has absolute control. God exercises his power as the sovereign king, as he desires and wants to. Every army, every force in heaven and and earth is subject to his control. No rebellion can continue if he does not permit it. His control is absolute. He can direct, guide, shape, and completely transform anything he wishes. He is king over both nature and humankind. He is master over all creation, and one day he will, by his own hand, secure eternal peace. And this is what the people in Malachi's day had forgotten. They had forgotten that God is the absolute sovereign king over all, that he has all power and he is in control of everything. And their worship was a reflection of what they thought about God. They didn't see God as all-powerful. They didn't see God as being the one who is in control over all. And so in turn, what did they do? They offer up polluted sacrifices to God to say, God is okay with this because they forgot who God was. And we might be thinking to ourselves, you know, Mike, that was a long time ago. That was them. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, in a position where, uh, you know, I have to offer up these sacrifices and do all this stuff. But notice how their worship, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice how their worship reflected their attitude towards God. Look at verses 6 through 8 and verse 13 here. He says this, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? Do you see the problem there? They, they have removed themselves so far from God and who he is. They, they didn't even think that they were doing wrong. 
And God says, you don't see the problem at all, do you? He says, you've completely ignored what I've commanded you to do. Look at verse 13. Look at this. He says, but you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it. They scoff at it. They say it's a weariness. It's almost a drudgery to them to have to come before God and worship him. And it's almost, oh, we got to do this again. Okay, here you go. And they snorted at it. There was indignation. (laughs) That was their attitude that they had towards God. You see, the issue of worship comes down to a matter of the heart. Who sits on the throne of your heart? Is it King Jesus? Is it the Lord of hosts? Is it him who has absolute power and control over your life? You see, we all struggle with this. Let's get a different perspective of this from Jesus' point of view. Let's hop over to the New Testament. You're there in Malachi. It's just the next book over. Uh, So let's go over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you've been keeping up with the uh, Bible reading uh, that we've been doing here, uh, you would have remembered these words that uh, Jesus talked here in Matthew chapter number 6. And I want you to notice here, we're going to look at verses 19 through 24, but notice what Jesus talks about. Now, all of this is, is in reference to worship, okay? All of these things that, he's, that he makes mention of here in, in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. And really, he, he, he's talking about practicing worship in front of others, okay? Uh, making it as a show, right? Now, look, at, uh, look what he says here. He talks about, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. He's talking about having a single purpose, a single focus here. Okay. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, this is key. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one... And love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now, we, the context of Jesus here is talking about, God, about money. We get that. We understand that. But the application can be applied in many ways in the fact of anything that takes the place, the throne of Jesus on our hearts. We will either love the one and despise the other. We will cling to the one and we will hate the other. And so here's the people in Malachi's day. They had forgotten about who God is. And their worship was a matter of the heart, and it showed in all the sacrifices that they were giving to God and that they were polluted. And so the Lord of hosts, he says, is the Lord of hosts in your heart? Is there anything else that is rivaling the throne that rightfully deserves, that God rightfully deserves in your heart? If so, it needs to be torn down 
and repented of. So that way we could have the right focus in worshiping God. What rivals do we have in our hearts? What things are more important to us than the Lord of hosts? You see, we forget about who God is, that he is sovereign, that he's in control over everything, that he has power. What do we love more than God? Safety? Being in control? Ability to fix the situations? I'm sure there are a lot of other things that we could, that we could name. Only you and God know exactly what that is that rivals the throne in your heart. Turn with me back over to Malachi. Malachi 1. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, we can't overlook the fact that while this message applied to the whole nation here, it was especially aimed at the priest, the spiritual leaders. Now, here at Pleasant Ridge, we strive to have biblical eldership in the fact that there are four elders here in this church. There's me, there's Alan, there's Jerry, there's Jeff. Jeff's not here this morning. But all of us try to lead this church spiritually in a way that would hopefully reflect the character of God. Now, when the Lord confronted them through Malachi, these priests here, they didn't get it. Notice what they say, verse 6. How have we despised your name? Verse 7. How have we defiled you? They looked at all of their activities that they were doing. They were busy offering sacrifices and leading the people in worship. But what was the problem? The problem was that they were not doing what they did with a Godward focus. They were not offering their sacrifices to please the Lord. They were not focused on magnifying His name. In fact, they were bored with the whole thing is what verse 13 says. It was a weariness to them. They couldn't, it was just, oh, we got to do this again. Again, okay. It was wearisome to them. Their attitude reflected their arrogance and lack of reverence for God. They were going through the motions of worship, but their hearts were not seeking to exalt and glorify God as he deserves. It's so easy, so easy for even us as elders to make the oversight of the church about business and ourselves rather than to glorify God. It's easy for us to forget as well of who God is. Why? Because we are sheep as well. We ourselves turn to our own way. And I believe that we as elders should cover your prayers that we would lead well with an example of what it looks like to worship the Lord with a heart of passion. We also, most, we also must remember that through what Scripture teaches us here and uh, as what Scripture teaches us, Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, 1 Peter 2, 9, and Revelation 1, 6. For us who know God as our Savior, who know Christ as our Savior, it says that now we are priests as well. And so, yes, all of this still applies to all of us as well. And we all have the responsibility to lead our families, lead others as well through a life of passionate worship. So if we want to have acceptable sacrifices for worship, we need to have a respect for God that only comes through knowing who God is. So the logical question that flows from that is, how will I know who God is? I think we all know that answer to that question, don't we? 
It's through the word of God. That's how we come to know him. That's how God has revealed himself to us. He's revealed us through creation, but he's also revealed to us through revelation through the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 119, verses 10 through 11. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 7, 2 through 3 says, Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I want you to understand something. There is a huge, a huge connection here between respect of God and obedience to his word. You see, these priests, these, these people, they were despising God through the sacrifices that they were giving. In essence, they were disobeying God in how he wanted them to worship him. Look at the text again. The priests were offering blemished sacrifices on God's altar. They should have known what Scripture said about this. Leviticus 22 through 20 through 25 and also Deuteronomy 15, 21 forbid these types of offerings. And so in doing so, they were showing contempt for God and his commandments. In effect, they were saying, God, you and your word is worthless and it reflected by what we are offering to you on the altar. This is what we think of who you are. And what we think of your commandments. We're going to offer blemish sacrifices, blind, lame, sick sacrifices. Remember to them, everything was fine. If you were to ask them and say, how's your relationship with God? They'd say, oh, it's fine. It's great. But God said, no, it's not. And it shows in your worship of me. So here's the hard question we must ask ourselves. Do we have respect for God? Do you respect God? And I think how we answer that is a reflection of how we worship God. Does it show in our obedience to his commandments? Because if we despise his commandments and we are despising his word or we're thinking, well, I know God says this and I know he says this is how I'm supposed to live and this is how I'm supposed to act and this is how I'm supposed to do things, but I got a better way of doing it. It's no different than those priests who are saying, God, I know that you commanded us to worship you in this way, but I got a better way. I have a sick animal. I have a blind animal. I have a lame animal. And I'm just going to offer that up to you. And they were disrespectful to God through their worship. Here's the second thing, lastly. Restore your respect for God by allowing him to have rule in every area 
of your life. Did you notice the downward progression here? Verse 7, they became disobedient. They failed to obey God's word. They knew offering up those blemished animals was wrong. They not only disobeyed God, but they insulted God's character. God is a holy God, and he demands a holy sacrifice. God instituted these sacrifices to be a picture, really, of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And through Christ, he offered up himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. And the way that Israel offered up sacrifice really tarnished that picture. Verse 8, they became disrespectful. Notice who they respected. Look at this. I, I, this, is, this is just mind-boggling to me. Look at verse 8. God's talking here. He says, when you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? Who did they respect more than God? They were respecting the governor. And he says, if you guys respect him more, why don't you offer him up these sacrifices and see if he likes it? I guarantee you, he won't. Why should God get the leftovers? But so often he does, doesn't he? I am ashamed of myself so many times. You know, one of the, one of the worst things that, uh, that we have on our smartphone, who all here has smartphones? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know, if you have, you have a smartphone, one of the worst things that smartphones does is it makes you feel like a slob. You get that little thing, reminder, it says, you spent this much time looking on the internet. You spent this much time looking in mail, you know, whatever. And I am ashamed of myself of how much time I spend in other things than the Word of God. Why does God get our leftovers? He shouldn't. He deserves respect. He deserves the best. Look at verses 13 and 14. They disrespect now. Their disrespect now affected the way that they lived. Look what he says here. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices it to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Israel's failures in worship weren't innocent mistakes. It wasn't like a whoops, I didn't know, whoops, I, nobody told me. They reflected their true priorities in life. The people gave God the refuse of their flocks because they wanted the best for themselves. And notice how God rebukes them, verse 14, Cursed be the cheat. When we fail to give God our best, God calls us a cheat. He says, you're a cheat. And he rebukes us. Because we offer up to God and we reserve the best for ourselves. We just give him the leftovers. So how are we going to restore our respect for God? Well, we need to remember who he is, but also we need to allow him to have rule in every area of our life. We have to allow God's word to have the final say and authority in every area of our life. How is your worship of God? 
I'm not asking about Sundays. I'm not asking about coming to church, raising your hands, singing songs, and praying. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking about your daily worship with God. Does it exist? Is it there? Or is it only an event that happens once a week? Do you delight in obeying God's word? Not just on Sundays and in public, but in private as well. You see, we show respect for God by allowing him to have rule in every area of our life. Does our worship reflect that we respect the Lord of hosts in this way? Are there areas in our life that are off limits to God? If so, we're not really giving him the best. When the animals were brought in for the sacrifices, the animals were thoroughly examined. They looked the animal over inspecting it, checking it over in every area. They would go through the animal and, and they would inspect its legs and they would inspect its head and its eyes and its ears and they would, they would thoroughly inspect that animal. The sacrificial animal was to be a symbol of holiness and purity. For us who know Christ, we know that Jesus is our sacrifice for sins. He is pure and holy. He was examined and found to be without sin. Scripture says Jesus was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. I love this passage in Hebrews 9, 13 through 14. It says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who though through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Turn with me real quickly over to uh, the book of Romans, Romans 12. And I want you to see something that is very important for us in learning how to have a respect for God in how we worship here, okay? Look at verses uh, 1 and 2 here. Paul writes and he says, I appeal to you, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The sacrifices that the the people were offering in Malachi's day were not good, they were not acceptable, and they were not perfect. God desires for us to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice, to be thoroughly inspected for spiritual worship. Now, I want you to make the connection here. Our bodies, living sacrifice, spiritual worship. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice for spiritual worship. It's all connected to what? Look at verse number 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we renew our minds? Through the word of God. And we allow the word of God 
to inspect us and examine us and thoroughly go through our lives in every area so we could be a perfect and holy and acceptable sacrifice for spiritual worship for the Lord. So I ask the question again, do we respect God? If we do not respect his word, if we do not obey his word, if we do not allow his word to thoroughly be examining every area of our life and changing us, if we do not respect God. The word of God is so important for all of this. And the word of God has to have the rightful place in our lives. I don't think we grasp how important our respect and worship to God is in every area of our life. Husbands, how we love our wives according to scripture is in direct connection of how we worship God. If we don't love our wives as what scripture teaches us, then we're disobeying God and our worship to God is not acceptable. Fathers, if we are not training our children and leading our family the way that scripture tells us to do this, and we are despising the scripture, and we say, I got a better way, then what we are doing is we're offering up to God polluted sacrifices and saying, your word's not important. Wives, how you show respect to your husband is a, relation, is a reflection in how you respect and worship God. Children, all the children, eyes up here, look at me. Children, how you obey your parents is in direct connection with how you worship God. If you despise the word of God, is what he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then what you're doing, in essence, you're offering up polluted sacrifices to God. How we treat one another is a reflection in how we respect and worship God. How we speak and respond to one another is a reflection in how we respect and worship God. How we do our work at our jobs is a reflection in how we respect and worship God. How we love one another is a reflection in how we respect and worship God. How we present ourselves to God is a reflection of how we worship God. David said this, and we'll close. David said this in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do we really respect God? Do we worship Him with our whole heart? Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.